Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. I had to venture because, yes... As we have our gardens, we like to share things, and I am glad to say that I am sharing one of my biggest cantaloupes. Yeah, this little bunny had to choose the biggest cantaloupe to start munching on. But I think over the last week, this little bunny's only halfway through the cantaloupe and has avoided everything else. So I will share that one cantaloupe with that little bunny just because it saves everything else. And as we see, I took a venture out for a drive, and there's some fields that are starting to be uh, looked after and cared by our farmers out there. It is a struggle, and they do a lot of work. So I reminded me of visiting my grandparents and seeing what they're doing and when the crops start coming off the fields. So there's a special poem and a tribute to our farmers. Please listen. It's called Threshing Time. There's a dew on the stubble and fog in the air, and a red eye peeps over the hill, and a white flag of steam flaring up with a scream has awakened the dull, drowsing doves from their dream. On an aged grey granary sill, and though dew on the grass and fog in the air, the throng of the threshers is gathering there, with toiling and tugging and lifting and lugging. They belt the steam engine that's wheezing and chugging, and pitchforks are gleaming and laborers laughing, preparing to hurry the wheat from the chafe. The smoke and the vapor float over the trees, and stamping horses rattle a chain, and the men in red handkerchiefs looped at their throats are climbing the mountains of barley and oats. The beautiful alps of the grain, the smoke and the vapors floats over the trees, and the sun now has routed the fog on the breeze, while creaking and turning and slapping and churning, the belted red thrashers have lifted out its yearning, has mumbled its hunger for mournfulest note, and the first sheath is on the ground in its ravenous throat. Look out, feathers, feathers, let a go. Pitch them first, few bundles slow. Hold on, son, don't gash my hands when you're cutting off those bands. Wheat's a-spillin'. Hey, you, Jack, run that cussed wagon back. Grab a wheel, Bill, help them there. We ain't got no wheat to spare. Wheat's too high now, you'll be bound to thresh and throw it on the ground. Belt's off now. And I just said, you boys wander over, bed. You mustn't try to rush her through. The straw is still tough and damp with dew. When the sun gets high, two hours high, you'll find it's plenty dry. All right, let her go again. Now we're threshing out the grain. See how plump them berries is, that stuff that does the biz. That's where the wheat's from college seed of selected turkey breed. The land has plowed just as noon. All right, boy, she's blowed for noon. Ease her down and hold her steady. Women folk say the grub is ready. Now the thirsty sun swings lower on the torrid path to earth, and the yellow straw is piling toward the sky. Say, a feather learns the threshing what a drink of the water's worth, for it tastes as sweet as cider when you're dry. At last the sun is setting, just a crimson ball of fire, and a coolness all the atmosphere pervades. The stalwart feeders, dusty arms at last begin to tire, 
and the last sheath passes downward through the blades. Now the whistles long drawn wailing in the song of seraphim, and the stars light up in heaven's purple deep, and the smoking and the joking how rests up the weary limb, ere bedtime ushers in a perfect sleep. The day is over, the world is fed, and the farmers sleep on his feather bed. A tribute to our farmers. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we're already into August, and as August progresses, we see that there's been a change in our gardens. There's new colors that are blooming, and it's what the aspect of gardening is all about. We know that annuals stay and they hold that color constant for us in, in what we planted, whether it's blues, reds, or yellows. But I think what the wondrous thing is about is when you venture into perennials, the perennial garden does change because unlike your annuals they bloom for short periods of time maybe four weeks maybe six weeks and then they change they take on a different aspect so maybe at that point we see that we're deadheading some of our perennials back in hopes and encouragement of them reblooming again but that is the now is the time where our fall colors our fall perennials that like that late summer and fall aspect, start taking on this glorious show of colors. I know some of my daylilies, yes. And sometimes it's the heat factor too. We have to uh, realize that sometimes the environment, whether it's climate, uh, that plays a factor in whether it's blooming or how fast it blooms. Because I know in my own garden, some of my daylilies normally would be in bloom now. And because I, yeah, I plant things a little bit in a little bit of the realm of a little bit more of a shadier location. Those ones are not yet blooming. But I see the glorious autumn sedum, autumn joys, and the sedum families are starting to come into their realm of colorance. And these are beautiful because exceptionally this year, they love those hot locations. So let's talk about our gardens. We have Gwen on hold. Hi, Gwen. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning, Gwen? Plumas. Plumas? Yep. Well, whereabouts is Plumas? Uh, it's north off Highway 16, just west of Gladstone. Okay. I know where you are then. <laughs> okay. We're in a dry zone. Oh, so you're dry there too, eh? Oh, it's, very dry. You know, when they say that it's, it's and we can't, we can't say, oh, come on, weather guys, it's not them, it's our environment, it's the winds and the trays. But oh, you see... You exactly, see, we keep hoping, but... Oh, we see the clouds, and then I'm I'm a good satellite person. I like going, and it depends on which satellite. I'll check three satellite areas, and I'm like, <laughs> it's got to come, and then all of a sudden it just seems like it's gone. No, it goes north of us. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, let's hope, because I know that we had a little bit of rain here, uh, we're in the south side of Winnipeg, and mm-hmm. uh, we had, I would say, big two to three inch drops that were just kind of pounding some of the areas, and I thought, here it comes. Well, I don't even think they tic-tac-toed and touched themselves, and then it was dried up again. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. It's been pathetic this year. Yeah, well, a little bit of a drought, so we all have to hope for some oh, moisture that's Oh, undoubtedly. I think this is our second year, so yeah, so it's getting yeah. worse. Well, let's, there's going to, I'm going to be optimistic, optimistic and say, you know what, there's going to be a change. And when we do, we're going to say, Yahoo, it's going to fill up our, our, all of the water table is going to raise back up again. Oh, yes, we need to. <clears throat> okay, so how can we help you this morning on the lawn? Is there anything that you can do for blossom and rot once you get it? Ooh, 
uh, I think once she, once there's no uh, reversion or like a flip back on it. Okay. You get it. But what you want to do is you want to prevent it happening on maybe some of the other fruit. And I say fruit because tomatoes are fruit um, on that next batch. So uh, I know that calcium is a part of the factor that's in there, but I'm probably a biggest inducer or promoter of uh, trying to maintain uh, equal watering on crops and that is especially hard when you so have how much watering then now when, when when they do have some of it well not I would... all of them the the first uh, tomatoes that came on are fine yeah yeah but the later ones no well we see this when we have a lot of um heating conditions and when you get uh, periods of dryness in between mm-hmm. so this the story is that if you can keep uniform moisture watering or c- uh, consistent watering patterns to it mm-hmm. it does help with it and uh, you know when you have drought and you have winds these are things that cause the evaporation through the cells of a lot of plants that you know increase their respiration is is that they're breathing really it's like running a, a marathon and not being able to get that moisture this yeah. is what's happening when you have excessive heat plus we have to remember the winds and the and the winds have been really wicked this year the winds also added with that heat are playing factors in removing that moisture is it uh, uh is it good to prune because they have lots of foliage uh pruning actually it was one of the conversations is uh that we were going to sort of talk about today, you can prune off some of the foliage to open up because good air circulation is also beneficial, but the air circulation portion of it is not um, in coincidence coincidence with blossom end rot. But you see that on other, you see that on other crops, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe if they're, uh, maybe, you know what, maybe if there's less leaves, there's less respiration happening. So that could could be be. part of it. Yeah, if we think about uh, it have them in a box garden and I had extra tomatoes so I put far too many in the area they're in and uh, this is where they have the other area that I have tomatoes in are fine yeah Thank well goodness. yeah well some of them when we have more uh, more plants per square footage we have to also remember that there's more moisture having to be drawn yeah. up in that because you have higher percentage of roots and I am totally I you can I can point my finger at myself because I have uh, a little square footage garden too and I put a tomato plant, I put uh, two tomato plants and I then my granddaughter's like, let's, you know, do you want to grow a watermelon? Yeah, let's put a watermelon. So I thought, okay, we'll put it in here. But And then I ended up putting a couple sunflowers in this one <laughs> container. <laughs> oh, I could take a weed whacker to it. It's just like, you know, and I'm struggling on that one. Yeah, it's a jungle, and I'm struggling on that one myself with trying to keep the moisture up. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I well, think I water the, every morning, but yeah, uh, yeah, that may be too much. Like the beans are good, and everything that are in the same box, but yeah, they're at the other end, though. Yeah. Well, there's different things that different crops require different um, care and conditions. We know that. And, uh, you know, I know with uh, the error that I probably did online was my uh, sunflowers that I thought that were uh, big smile varieties that were supposed to go a foot high are now five and a half feet tall. Yeah. So I think my sunflower seed box got a little mixed up with my heights. <laughs> so uh, 
I know where the water's going. I yes, know it is know going it to my sunflower. Yeah. My sunflowers are grabbing all that moisture that's in there. So, um, yeah. It's, well, thank uh, you very much, Carla, for the information. I listen weekly and I enjoy your program. Well, thank you. And I love it when you guys call in because it's all about gardening and good conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye bye. Enjoy your day. Will do. Okay. It's just those different portions and different aspects of it. We're going to go right back to lines. We have Hetty's on hold. Good morning, Hetty. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, I had blossom rot last year on my tomatoes, and I was told to crush um, eggshells and dig them in as far as you can. And uh, um, I had no more blossom rot. I don't have any this year because I left the eggshells in there. And uh, it worked like a charm. You know what? Uh, calcium is one of the key one aspects. Of the mm-hmm. Yeah, calcium goes in there. But I do find that uh, uh, sometimes where we use uh, eggshells, if you can really even get them into an old coffee grinder and grind them down really fine, because um, from my experience, I used to do a lot of composting, and I would throw the eggshells in there. You know, after it's like half cracked. And after about a year or two, I'd still find my calcium that was in there. So rendering them down or crushing them is a, a really good way. But yes, calcium, mm-hmm. added calcium that's to it. Uh, there's even, um, we have a mixture here that it has calcium mixed with chicken. Uh, chicken uh, Manure. Yeah, yeah, with that's mm-hmm. in there. So it's, uh, I find that it works really well too. And it's yeah. not to say, like when you, like, like I still find that when we, still get the blossom end rot on the tomato um just you you can still eat the portion that's not black i just lop it off and yes. i still use it because i, I, I do too taste- but the, yeah. when i first saw i had two tomatoes that had blossom rot and i crushed eggshells uh, my uh, grandson told me that's what i should do and i crushed them just with a rolling pin in a bag and yep. i dug them in as well i actually I didn't even dig them in because i couldn't because it's too full and um and I didn't have another one. Well, all the other what? tomatoes did not have blossom rot. Well, there's so a testament. Yeah, I know because yeah. there. Yeah, there's even products like with the calcium in the addition and the turkey and the chicken. Yeah, but this is uh, cheap. Fibrox. Oh, I know it is. It is. That's yeah. it. So just break it down and crush it, and that's that's part of recycling and putting it back mm-hmm. into the earth. And um, you know that's what our parents and grandparents and great grandparents did they put it back into yeah. the earth right yeah yeah well thank very you very good the... i don't okay. have a question i just had this answer okay well you thank you that's that's awesome hetty thank you so much okay all right okay. bye 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 and it is the portion of it that we're recycling back and composting back because that's like compost itself is like good oil like it's like finding oil it's like that good earth black that's you're adding back into it and compost will actually help to hold and retain moisture as well. Let's go right to lines. Elsie is there. Good morning, Elsie. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Uh, from Steinbeck. From Steinbeck. Good morning, Steinbeck. Hi. How can we help you on the lawn and oh, garden Oh, I journal? have yellow roses. They were beautiful blooming. And all of a sudden, all the leaves have holes, and I can't see nothing on them. Okay, now... Are the holes lacy or are the holes round? Round, round. Round. Okay. When you, there's different types of things. Um, like right now we're also seeing flea beetle is coming back because the canola is now starting to get uh, 
cut off the field. So watch out. If it was lacy, I would probably say it was uh, the flea beetles. But because it is perfectly round and sculpted, like almost like a cookie cutter that's gone through it, um, mm-hmm. there is a there is a cutter bee. So there's a type of bee that likes to roll up and take the leaf structures of um, plants, right? So they will harvest uh, their leaves by cutting specific little holes on plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they will fly off with it and they will take it. Um, they use the foliage to make their, um, I think it's their nest cells, like when they roll it up to make a cell for the laying their eggs in. That's what it's called. They, they're basically making a, 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 a nursery for their next hatchlings of what's in there. So the cutty, cutter bees will be harvesting a lot of that, and they do like roses for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what yeah. could I use to get rid of it? Well, um, it's kind of like, okay, you know how I shared my cantaloupe with the bunny in my backyard? You're kind of sharing it because the bees are, in my aspect, that the bees are important for us. So it's it's part of nature's way of helping out the bee uh, population that's in there. Um, if you do put anything on it, it will be a detriment to the bee itself that's on it. If you really want to deter them to go somewhere else, um, maybe there are, are some uh, meshing or nettings that you can maybe put over top. Sometimes there is a, um, uh, you know how you kind of, I've, my, with my new grandbaby, there's a bassinet covering that you can put over top the bassinet so the, the wasps and the mosquitoes don't get to your tenderlings. Well, you could basically do the same thing on your rose if you're wanting to deter them from that area to say, you know what, venture forth, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, the cutter bees themselves, uh, the bees are viable for us. So it's um, your choice is to share uh, and let them do a little bit because they won't go after the flowers. They just want the leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. Good. Bye. All right. Bye bye. And it's part of that because, um, you know, when I kind of give a chuckle, it kind of brings me back to uh, when we have plants, we also are going to have uh, insects. That's part of it. Because we reside in this big, beautiful world where, where there's bugs, there's bees, there's you know, and in some in some areas too as well, um, you know, like I know where my sister is way down south. She sent me some uh, photos a while ago of I hope I say right cicadas. So they are bigger bugs. So we here, because maybe we're a little bit uh, colder or bugs don't get as big, so we have the little bugs and we have the beneficial bugs and we have the bugs that we just don't like, like mosquitoes. Uh, So it's part of that. And part of our gardening world is that we live with aphids. We live with the white flies. We live with other uh, bugs. So we have to have the understanding that one partners with the other. It's just whether we allow. Like I know aphids, uh, oh my gosh, uh, what I say, oh boy, is when you go into some of the areas where, uh, thank goodness, in some of the areas got that heavy rains, because I know if uh, in Old St. Boniface, Riverview, all that in the city, they had huge canopy, big trees of elms that were just dripping and oozing. It almost looked like if you took maple syrup that was uh, coagulating and dripping off the trees, everyone was sort of phoning and saying, 
what is going on with my trees and my yards, the walking down the street, my, my runners are sticking to the road. Well, these are drippings that were happening from insects above. And in nature, in droughts conditions, you see that the rain is not washing these off. It's the rains and the heavy rains that give us that cleansing to the earth. It actually puts moisture back in the earth to feed the good plants so they can grow. But the lack of that is also the cleansing of plants, of washing these insects out. So what did we get? We got this sticky, gooey mess coming from all these aphids that were in these trees, um, giving us their little bit of bycastings or castoffs or their, their excrements down on and in some instances it's like putting your windshield wiper blades on (laughs) your car to make sure it comes off so it was a blessing in some areas of the city when they did phone in and say you know what it's not so bad now what happened well did you get rain yeah you got rain you know what you got cleansed and you got washed off so it's part and parcel so that's it anyway the lines are open 1-800-374-3315 and there were a couple things that we wanted to say and this brings us back to when i was thinking of the so the tribute to our farmers we're starting to see some of the crops that are out there that are looking uh i hopefully as good as can be depending on where the area that you're on but i have to say that uh, i had sort of seen my little sunflowers that were growing and some of the sunflowers that were out there in certain areas when i drive around are as tall as they should be some are not as tall as what they should be on them and it just gave me a little bit of the glorious that you can see and it's so pretty when you can go and see a field of sunflowers So I know if you're looking for something to do, be respectful of the sunflower fields. Stay out. Admire from a distance that's on it. But they're glorious and they're pretty and they bring a smile. And I think it's part of being Manitoba that you see the sunflowers. And it kind of brought me to a quandary as to, you know, there's oil type ones. And yes, the confectionery type ones that we have on there. And it's the purpose of a sunflower that, yeah, we get different types of sunflower oil, which I didn't understand was even... You know, there's olive oil, sunflower oil, and vegetable oils that are on there that give us what we want. But there's also the confectionery type that, yeah, we like a little bit of sunflower seeds to munch on now and then. And it's also a feed for our birds that's on it. So um, looking at it, sunflowers are a cheap and inexpensive way to be able to house and help our birds through the, the season. So I think my planters, yep. The ones that are not so small and so tall that are in there, we're going to leave them up there. And it's going to be a really good interest thing to put into the backyard to be able to see that the sunflower seeds. And hopefully, because my sunflower bag got tousled up, are the ones that actually will produce a seed head. So that will be for the birds to feed on. And if you're looking at it, uh, there's different types of birds that we can get that will be able to feed on these. And... You know, like you're looking at if you have uh, chickadees or little finches. Um, I think even uh, some people maybe have uh, some cardinals or something that are in there. If you if you see, there's a whole list that when we went through looking on some of them that were able to uh, take advantage of them. And they are so pretty to look at. And like I said, when you're looking at sunflower seeds, I know that the crop ones, and there may even be, uh, you know... Uh, I like the smaller ones. Sometimes you can go into your garden centers and you can see that you can get small ones to add into containers. And this is what 
part of it is. You're not going to probably put a huge six foot one into a container, but anything that is maybe a foot to two to three feet tall, I think this is the next season. And when you start progressing into your next gardening season is sunflowers are a nice little pop-in for maybe some of those plants that have uh, had a demise in your containers or planters. It's a nice little way of popping in that little bit of color to change and say, we're wakening up to a new garden season. We're getting into that next aspect. It's almost like a second planting. It's like the farmers putting in their uh, fall crop. Yes, we look at our gardens and start looking at it and putting new things in. Because if you visit your garden centers, and I know it's a good time to go out and sort of see what's happening, uh, you'll see that the fall mums are starting to grow. You'll see that the ornamental kales are starting to grow. And if you have a selection of kales in your garden, not only the edible kales, like the red boar varieties that have that strong color tones into it, you'll see that they're kind of glorious because they will just perform so much better when we start to get that cooler evenings, that little bit of dew that is allowable in the gardens that are there. It's one of those aspects that are about it. So did you plant some sunflowers in your garden? And did you put a challenge? Because sometimes there are the ones that like to get, and I don't um, ask me which are the names of the very tall ones, but it's kind of comical and uh, kind of glorious to see when you Google uh, how tall some of the, the sunflowers can get. So you can maybe do Big Smile, which maybe is 12 inches tall, to maybe some of the gigantic ones that will maybe go 10 to 12 feet high. And there's always the fun of going maybe through some of the mazes there may be some farmers out here that have made some uh, mazes that you can go through, whether it's a corn maze or a sunflower maze. It might be beautiful. Let's go right back to lines. Mary's on hold. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. How are you this morning? Not so bad. That's good. And where are you calling from? Austin. Austin. Well, hello and good morning to Austin. Yes. How can we help you this morning on gar- the Lawn and Garden Journal? Well, I'm wondering how I killed my plants. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I have, um, what, I'm looking at the window here. Three, five, six, seven po- uh, potted plants out in my, um, it's on the southeast corner of my house where I have like um, um, a rock landscape area. Okay. And uh, I put these two pots of petunias and to kind of highlight it, and they were blooming really, not petunias, sorry, geraniums, and they were blooming really, really well, and then I noticed that, oh, they're not looking so good. Did I let them go dry? And No, they don't seem to be dry, and they just simply died off. So I don't know, did I overwater? Did I let them go dry in between or whatever? But they both died off. And then um, right in front of a, a big brick pillar, there's a pot with three impatience plants in it, Two died off, and one is now starting to bloom. Oh, okay. Well, And my other um, three pots of plants are looking beautiful. Okay. Well, sorry to hear your plants are going. Um, there's a few things that may be coming to mind as to what's going on. And I don't think you, uh, if you overwatered the geraniums, um, that could be a possibility. I'm not saying you did, uh, because, but... Uh, overwatering, if the thing is, if the soil is dry and the container is, first of all, let's go back to the containers. First thing, do your containers have drainage holes in them? I think so, but I'd have to double check. Yeah, so when you water your pot, 
we always recommend, specifically for even for outdoor containers, is if you have a container, it should have a release or a drainage point for the plants to release and dry out. Mm-hmm. So um, that's key because if we fill up, and let's say if we had a two-liter jug and we filled it up with two liters of soil for a plant, if we fill that up with two liters of water and there's no release of that, it may take up a, maybe a little bit of that moisture and the soil at the top may feel dry, giving us the clue to maybe water again, but then what we're doing is we're just raising the water level below. Mm-hmm. So A, check and see if you actually have uh, drainage in it, because if you don't, that would be a demise over time that's on it. And okay. this, the little bit of the saving grace is it may have lasted a little bit because of the length of the he- amount of heat that there is, because if it's um, if you water and it's a smaller container and the plants are growing, it may have been taking up all the moisture that it needs to grow um, to release. But sometimes uh, rotting roots over time okay. will start effect. And if the rotting roots, even the smallest bit of rotting roots takes effect, that will co- compound quickly over time. So check with that first. Okay. Okay. And then mm-hmm. the other things is if you do have drainage holes in them, Check and see if you have uh, any insects. Look on the uh, grasshopper. Grasshoppers are been notorious. Once they have a little house, they'll be in there, and they will create, and they'll start chewing on branches and stemming. And as soon as you get the bra- breakage on branching and stemming, you'll see that the foliage and portions of it will basically uh, die. So you want to make sure that that is not a clue, too, as well. We okay? don't seem to have a lot of uh, grasshoppers here in town. Okay. All right, and grasshoppers, just the odd one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just take a check and okay. see because sometimes one one little grasshopper can do a lot of a lot of damage that's okay. on there. Okay, so check those things. And on the other side of it, geraniums themselves, if they're underwatered, uh, geraniums is one plant that will withstand a fair bit of dryness that's on it. So okay, well then it's probably overwatering. Okay. Well, what about okay. the impatience when there was three plants in one pot and one survived and two died? <laughs> uh, well, with the impatience that's on it, depending on the variety that you have, uh, they are prone to a little bit of a wilt that's on them. So it depends on uh, the varieties that you're getting. And, and uh, okay. there is a, you know, so once you get a vetacetal wilt in some of your uh, plants, it is a quick demise for those. Okay. So that, yeah, that they were three probably, different varieties, so. Yeah, so that could be uh, part of that one. Okay. okay. All right. And wilt is a, a disease for a plant yes. or what? Yeah, it will be a wilt. Like there, um, I, I don't know if I said it, verticillum wilt is sometimes it's a fungal disease that if you oh, do get okay. it from, and fungal diseases usually are uh, spore ridden that come on or it could be compounded by overwatering. Okay, well, okay. that's probably my problem then. Thank you so much. Okay, Mary, okay. thank you for calling. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to go right back to Lyons. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's a beautiful sunny day. I was hoping for that rain, but we'll we'll take the sun. Aren't we all? Yes. Yeah. I am calling calling about my orchid. Okay. It had nine flowers when I got it for Mother's Day. Beautiful plant. And one of these stems now has lost all four of its orchids. And what am I doing? Not right, or is this normal for an orchid? Or um, orchid, like orchids, will normally 
hold their buds for a fair bit of time that's on it mm -hmm. um, when it's holding on it because uh, they are a nice long blooming type of flower when you get it mm -hmm. it's trickier when you get to rebloom them um, they are prone to if I remember right uh, they're prone to something that's called bud blast at some point and you kind of wonder what it's bud blast well bud blast is a it's sometimes compounded by watering issues that are on there. So care of watering that's on it is, is well, part of parcel of it? Yeah, I'm, I am thinking that it may have gotten too wet because the instructions were to give it three ice cubes every Monday. And, uh, and the, uh, that was, the tag was attached to the plant, and I did that. But when we had such very humid days, I suspect that it didn't need all of that watering, like I should have cut back because um, it just doesn't lose as much water if the humidity is so high. Yeah, I find that um, sometimes it depends too. It's like one of the questions is, and you're bang on with that, it depends if how dry your house versus, mm -hmm. um, and even in some areas of the house, when I gently walk by something, I'm causing a wind current, and you're going to say, wind current? Well, it's a breeze, it's a motion of air, mm -hmm. and some areas, um, temperature controls are differently in different rooms, different settings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one level of my house is a lot warmer than the other level, because I know the kids, when they go down to the place, it's like, can we borrow your socks? I'm like, sure. <laughs> So it depends yes. on the location, sure. and watering mm -hmm. is probably the number one key for on it, mm -hmm. and I find that orchids don't need all that water as much. No. They probably do a little bit better when it's cut back just a little bit. So I'm just wondering, is, is there any, um, can I expect the other stem to, to rebloom, or do I need to replace my plant if I want to continue to have an orchid? orchid? No. Um, if it's if it's finished blooming, mm -hmm. it will set its time. It, go, it will go through a cycle of it having to rebloom or re-stem uh, that's on there. So it will cause, like, you will get eventually another new leaf set that's on it. Oh. Uh, if you want to enjoy the blossoms of it that this one has stopped blooming, mm -hmm. you might have to venture into getting another plant if that's mm -hmm. part of something that you can do. Mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes it's a little bit, some people have a little bit of a tricky portion of getting a re-stem for it to re-bloom. Mm -hmm. But uh, bud blast is one of those things that is definitely uh, under or over watering aspect that's on it. You know, mm -hmm. um, if it becomes too dry, it will drop that. It creates that uh, aborting effect where it says I've got to survive my leaf structure and it will drop everything else. Okay. Okay. And uh, overwatering can do very much the same way. And it depends too on what it's in. Like I ask, is it in bark or is it in uh, bark with uh, sphagnum? Yeah, I don't know. It's certainly not uh, like I can't touch it with my fingers whether it's damp or not. It's just some material on top. Yeah. Or maybe it's over throughout for that matter. Okay, so if it's in a pot and that kind of stuff, I would maybe, if there's a covering or a moss type stuff that's on it, just lift that up to maybe see if that is running throughout the whole thing. Or sometimes it's completely grown in sphagnum moss that has been compacted. Mm -hmm. And sphagnum moss will hold moisture longer than if it's just in bark and pumice. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right? And mm -hmm. make sure that you have drainage because sometimes you'll get them where they're just in plastic solid plastic uh, containers, mm -hmm. whereas orchid pots, they like to breathe because if you understand the plant structure itself, they're 
if I if you have a, if I give you a fancy name, they're like epiphytes. They actually, in their nature, they're in the jungle, and those tubular, fleshy roots actually adhere themselves to uh, branches where they don't need their roots held in soil and okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So they need air in their roots as well. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Enjoy. And that's part of the understanding because if you if you ever have a chance when we do get back to traveling, if you go down and it's uh it's kind of this romantic portion of it where if you ever go down to uh South Carolina or Charleston, that kind of stuff. This is where you see the the that sphagnum moss that drips from the trees. Well, that is an epiphyte type of plant too as well. So it takes in clue to how these plants adhere themselves to the um, other trees. It's like, what do you call that? I think a symbiotic relationship where they kind of take care of each other. They co-host each other. Hey, I'll let you hang on to me. You help to hold a little bit of moisture when it does rain and we'll look beautiful together, right? That's what it's all about in the gardening world. Thank you for listening this morning to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye for now.